I just want to be clear. I am a pro-life governor and any bill that comes to my desk, I will sign happily and gleefully in order to protect life. That's the voice of Governor Yunkin reassuring Virginians that he will do whatever he can to protect unborn babies in our state. But what is actually possible in our political climate? Plus, we saw a big touchdown for religious liberty at the Supreme Court level, and we're going to talk about all this and more. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Wow, when you think about the last couple of weeks, it's really just been an amazing period to live through in real time, historically speaking, especially with these huge Supreme Court decisions coming down. I mean, first we had the overturning of Roe v. Wade. That's a generational earthquake, basically, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But then we had right on the heels of that, this other big decision for religious freedom in schools. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, I, that can't get lost in this moment, but that is just an amazing story. I mean, it's it's such an underdog kind of sports story, too, that everybody loves those kind of stories. I mean, every great movie is one of those. But, I mean, it's this coach, you know, who simply – he's working at a public high school, and he's simply, after the game, saying a prayer, and yet he was fired. And so it ends up in this really lengthy litigation, seven years of his life, trying to get his job back, ultimately ends up at the Supreme Court. And it's just amazing. He's so likable, too. If you watch him in interviews, it's just you, you want to be on his team. And he ultimately gets the justice that he's looking for. And more than that, because it really set a national precedent for not just coaches, but teachers. I mean, what happens within public schools? That's exactly right. I love this, too, because he's a Marine veteran and a high school coach. It's just a great story. Let me just read what Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote in the majority opinion for the court on this decision. He said, quote, the free exercise and free speech clauses of the First Amendment protect an individual engaging in a personal religious observance from government reprisal. The Constitution neither mandates nor permits the government to suppress such religious expression. Victoria, help us understand how those words from the Supreme Court opinion are important to teachers and educators in Virginia. Well, it, they didn't just say, hey, what Kennedy did in this moment was okay. They actually explained why, and that's going to matter for all sorts of other instances that happen within particularly public school settings. But the deal is they've always in the past relied on this thing called the lemon test. I mean, this is kind of boring legalese, but the bottom line is it, they used to say it matters what how people interpret what he's doing and what the effect could be, what the perception might be. And they really, in this case, said we're setting that aside. We're not going to use that as the basis for how we look at these cases. We're really going to look more at like historic practice and observations, which means it's things like, you know, when we hear battles about, you know, praying before a government body, for example, you look back and you go, well, the founders did that and they wrote this document. So maybe that matters, that that history, you know, so I think it's really important that the framework has changed and that's going to impact all the kinds of things that we know come up when people are just personally practicing their faith in a public setting. Yeah. So if a teacher says a personal prayer over lunch or like Coach Kennedy was doing a personal quiet prayer on the field, um, just because they're doing a, a an expression personally does not mean that they are government endorsing particular religion. So I think that does free up our our educators a lot to have religious rights. Um, but if you want more information on this and other 
um, resources. If you're running into issues like this in your schools in Virginia, check out our Founding Freedoms Law website. That's foundingfreedomslaw.org, foundingfreedomslaw.org. All right. Well, I want to go ahead and dive right into how you've been processing, Victoria, this other earthquake moment in our culture that I mentioned, and that's Roe v. Wade being overturned. I mean, this has got to be one of those moments in history that we're all going to remember. What were we doing that day when the decision came out? What, what was that like for you? Well, um, yeah, first of all, this is this is history. And we will look back in the same way that we all point to 1973 when this Roe decision happened. Our children will look back and go, this was the day that we undid that and actually started to really respect the humanity. And so it, it is a real watershed moment. Um, and I think everybody will remember what they were doing that day. Um, and for, for those of us that knew this was coming. It's been a little tricky because we've wondered, is it going to be today or tomorrow or, you know, because we knew the Supreme Court issues opinions on certain days. And so when we hadn't gotten the opinion yet, um, basically, I came home from vacation on the day it was being announced. I knew there was a real possibility. The Friday, the fact that they were going to issue opinions on a Friday was a little bit unusual. They don't do that a lot. And there was security concerns around this. So we really thought this could actually be the day. So I left at the beach as early as I could. And I, I was thinking about it because they always release at 10 o'clock. And I'm coming back through the eastern shore of Virginia. And you eventually you'll get to the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, which is 20 minutes of probably not very good, you know, radio or, you know, you know, internet and that kind of thing. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be literally like underwater when this decision comes. But it didn't time out like that. I actually, you know, at 10 o'clock was before I'd gotten to the bridge. And so I got to actually, you know, hear on the radio, wow, this has happened. And, you know, things are flying. You know, my phone's plugged into that CarPlay, but you can, you know, hear what's going on. And I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty amazing. Um, and I start kind of just, I'm just overwhelmed. I mean, just really in the moment of this has happened, um, unfortunately, though, my story might, might be a little abnormal. I'm in such la-la land. You know, I'm just so zoned into this happening that I actually didn't realize I was speeding and I get pulled over by a police <laughs> officer like within the first 10, 15 minutes after Dobbs gets released because I obviously had lost track of really like literally where I was and the fact that the speed limit was so, only 55. So the adrenaline went a little bit up. The <laughs> foot went a little bit harder down on the gas pedal. It is true. <laughs> It is true. And the officer comes over to my window and I'm thinking, you just don't, in my head, I'm going, you just don't understand what's going through my head right now and all the important things. And I just, you know, I'm sorry, officer, you know, you have the whole, like, I mean, I felt terrible. I think all of the entire staff was calling you at the oh, same time. Oh, everybody. I mean, everybody needed something in that moment. And it was just, I mean, I just, I don't even know what to say. But it, it really took the high and kind of put it down to reality. Like, oh, Victoria, this is, this may be a historic day, but it will also unfortunately cost you on your insurance. Well, speaking seriously, you have poured your heart and soul into this issue for the past 25 plus years. So help us understand what your emotions were right at that moment, just just from a heart point of view. Well, I mean, when you've worked towards something for so long and it's not something that you are in control of, right? So you can work towards something, but you don't get to decide the Supreme Court. You don't get to be in the back room. You can't even lobby those people. It's not like what we do at the General Assembly where we go in and advocate and hope we can change a mind. That's not how all that works. And so it is truly something that even though you work towards, it is 100% in God's hands. And that's a little bit of a challenge spiritually for all of us because we want to actually be the doer. We, you know, it's one thing right. to pray about something, but we tend to want to actually make it happen. And so 
Um, it's funny because I had that thought in the moment, did I actually believe this day would come in my lifetime, right? Is yeah. it? And I tend to, and this is, you know, just a, a sad spiritual state, I tend to underestimate God. It's like, I know he can move mountains, but yeah. he's actually going to move the mountain. And he actually did move the mountain in this case. And it was sort of, um, it's just a real high because if he can move that mountain, he can move all the other mountains, you know? Yeah, after I had had time to process it, I was thinking it, it's it's a really significant moment to realize the value of perseverance and faith because for years we all heard this is settled law. There is nothing you can do. You have nothing to say on this that was beaten into our brains over and over. And yet uh, dedicated Christians, Bible believers did not give up, just kept speaking the truth. And like you said, we're not in control, but we have to be faithful for when that moment does happen. So it's 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 a good moment to take in all of those lessons. Well, one of the highlights for us the last few days in the wake of all this was a webinar that we were able to exclusively host featuring Governor Yunkin, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears, Delegate Nick Freitas, and others. And what I would love to do right now is just share some highlights from all of that and then allow you, Victoria, to give us some of the deeper analysis on what they were saying. So let's just start off with a very powerful comment from Delegate Nick Freitas, because I think for a lot of us on this call, we kind of had our minds in the gear of moving ahead with the strategy on how are we going to save the lives of as many unborn babies as possible in this moment. But he helped us just kind of take a healthy pause, take a moment to celebrate and look at the thousands of lives literally that have already been saved just in the first few weeks coming out of this huge decision. Let's just hear what he said. You seriously all deserve to take a moment and, and relish in the idea in a, in a point that, quite frankly, I didn't think was going to happen in my lifetime, that I was terrified was never going to happen. But that just serves me right, because we're not supposed to be afraid. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. And we did the math really quickly on the number of states that had trigger laws that went into effect the moment the road was overturned. And the number of babies that are potentially saved by this decision between now and November, numbers in the realm of around 50,000. And the thing that I would tell all of my colleagues, especially those that are a little bit concerned about how this affects midterms, saving 50,000 innocent human lives is something you run on, not something you run from. I think everyone always is just amazed to hear uh, Delegate Freitas says just his bravery, and he's so great at, at explaining things, and just the idea that somebody had done the quick math. I mean, I hadn't done the quick math, but just to think about just in a couple of months how many lives are saved. I know on the day of, I guess it was the day after the Dobbs decision, somebody said just the day of um, in certain states where, you know, the doors were just closed and Planned Parenthood had to stop operating. That visual for me was so powerful. And then when he put a number on what that looks like between now and November, I think that gives you something really exciting to, to, to realize. And for us in Virginia, it gives us something to look forward to when we can make that happen. Thanks for joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. I think it helped to hear Senator Steve Newman and Delegate Freitas and the governor himself being very upfront on our webinar about the challenges that we face, particularly here in Virginia in the days ahead. Let's just listen to the governor talking about that. Uh, I just want to be clear. I am a pro-life governor. And as Steve said, uh, any bill that comes to my desk, I will sign happily and gleefully in order to protect life. Uh, 
Uh, I do believe that uh, the challenges that have just been uh, articulated with our Senate um, really do provide an opportunity for us to go to work and craft a bill that will get uh, a few extra votes from our Senate Democrats in order to support movement here. And my goal is that we, we in fact, get a bill to sign. Um, it won't be the bill that we all want. And uh, I just so agree that uh, with Steve that life begins at inception. Um, but I will also tell you just a year ago, I'm not sure we would have ever believed that a, that a pain threshold bill at 15 weeks was something that in the 2023 legislative session that we would have a real shot at getting. And I think uh, with some concerted effort here and help from folks on this call, folks across the nation who we've called in to help us on this, um, we're going to give it everything that we've got. Victoria, help us understand the realities the governor is talking about right there. You know, he said during the call that he believes life begins at conception, but the reality is just a few weeks ago, he didn't even think a bill addressing just at a basic level when pre-born infants feel pain in the womb was even possible, you know, before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now he's hoping there's more traction. Um, help us understand the realities that he's trying to to explain there. Yeah, I mean, we're up against a very difficult Senate. It is led by pro-abortion leaders, and they control very much the process that these bills go through. And the bottom line is, if you look at this past session, we couldn't even get a Hyde Amendment passed or a Baby Born Alive Act just to refresh people. That's like saying we, we the majority of Virginians definitely don't want taxpayer dollars going to this, and we still are doing it because we couldn't get that fixed. And we definitely think when a baby's been born— you know, if there's a failed abortion, we ought to at least protect that child. And we couldn't get that passed. So he's being honest about where we are. Yeah, the governor was talking about how he's trying to build consensus toward a bill similar to the Mississippi one that the high court just upheld and how uh, people on the call like Senator Steve Newman and others were working alongside him to try to help get that done. And one wild card in this whole thing is a swing vote senator like Joe Morrissey. Tell us about that. Yeah, I you know, he's always said he's pro-life. I actually heard him in an interview earlier this summer where he said basically that he might be open to a bill that bans abortion from maybe the 20th week. Um, sometimes he describes it as like maybe when a child feels pain. So let's just listen to what he has to say about whether he would vote for this. Uh, I want to hear from the experts. Um, and if uh, the fetus feels pain somewhere between 20 or 25 weeks, then maybe that might be uh, a, a marker. Yeah, I mean, the reason that's really interesting is because he ultimately holds the key of whether we could get this passed. I mean, the bottom line is any pro-life bill that would pass the Senate has to have a Democrat on board because we don't have enough pro-life just with the Republicans. And so he's really kind of like the guy that, you know, could make or break this thing. But we also navigate the leadership that could try to avoid him having an opportunity to even vote on it. So it's it's a real challenge. So with him saying 20 weeks is a possibility, do you think we have any chance for 15 weeks? Well, he says it's about when the child feels pain. So it may be that we simply need to educate him with some medical experience, mm. you know, some doctors coming in to say, actually, when they feel pain is earlier than you may be aware. Okay. But again, you know, it's, it's scary to put all your uh, <laughs> all your yeah. chips in Joe, in Joe Morrissey's bag. Well, another interesting moment on our webinar was Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears also commenting on the reality in the Senate. So she was upfront about that as well. And her encouragement was kind of that we just still need to be courageous and bold in this effort and get people on the record voting on as many pro-life bills as we can. 
Um, so people know what's happening with their senators when they vote on the record. But, you know, in addition to that point she made, I thought one of her, one of her most powerful comments were the statistics that are totally out of proportion when it comes to percentages of black women having abortions. Let's just listen to her on that. And then, of course, I threw out there the black population. Uh, women, black women are 10 percent of the population. And yet in Virginia, we have, as of 2019, 45.5 percent of the abortions. Do you did you hear that? We're only 10 percent of the population, but we have 45.5 percent of the abortions. What is going on? Yeah, she's picking up on a really important thing here, which is that, unfortunately, abortion over impacts minority communities. And what's interesting is the media keeps trying to make it sound like a ban on abortion is going to be worse for minority communities. They keep talking about black maternal health, which is a tragic situation. But the fact that they don't realize we're talking about saving more of the black community. It's like the unborn child doesn't even count in their analysis about the situation. Absolutely. If you were concerned about discrimination and you were looking at that huge percentage, 45 0.5% of the abortions in Virginia, you know, affecting that many black women, there is something wrong in our culture with that. So I, I thought that was just a, a astounding statistic that she shared. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! All right, well, today we have something different for our Inconceivable Satire segment. Instead of satire, we actually have a positive inconceivable theme, and it comes to us from Delegate Nick Freitas, who commented during this webinar when he was talking about that we need to change not only the legal landscape, but also it's vital to change the culture. I will know we have won this fight when culturally it is considered inconceivable that we would have considered anything else. It will have been considered inconceivable that we would have ever needed a law to suggest that humanity should be protected and defended at all stages. And the only way we're going to get to that is by making the sort of arguments that Victoria has already articulated. You know, I, I'm watching the same people that have told all of us for years now that we didn't care about babies after they were born. And those same people are now going down and threatening and vandalizing the very centers and organizations that we have utilized to do exactly that. Help babies and their mothers after they're born to make sure that they have the emotional, the financial, and the spiritual support that they need to be able to make the right choice and then to be successful in the choice that they've made. And so the thing I would ask is that please continue to fight the legal battle alongside those of us that believe that we have to have those legal protections for innocent human life, but also please do not neglect the cultural battle that takes place every single day, because the bottom line is the way we look at this from a, a perspective of just being a human to, for me, my Christian faith, I cannot delegate my responsibility to love thy neighbor as thyself to the government. 
I love what he said here because we have to keep reminding ourselves the goal isn't the policy. The goal is making abortion unthinkable, making no one ever want to have an abortion. And that's what he's zoning in on here and that we need to love our neighbors and be all about helping women in this moment. And so to me, he's got his eye exactly on the ball here and we're not being short-sighted. And so I'm incredibly thankful for what he brings to this conversation. And as you have pointed out to me before, Victoria, we have some 40 pro-life clinics what is that, twice as many as abortion centers in Virginia that are ministering to women. And I'm just going to mention real quick, if you want information on that, just go to our website, familyfoundation.org, and click on the after row banner to see how you can support those pro-life clinics in your neighborhood. That's familyfoundation.org. Look for the after row banner. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.